welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today is a Friday Q&A. We dive into quite a few good questions from Instagram and from Facebook. Uh, So I want to remind you guys, if you have a question, no matter how specific and tailored to you it is, This is the best place to ask your questions. So make sure you click the link in the description. It says, ask boom, boom. You can ask me any question. Just fill out the form. Um, You won't get spammed from that, but it does send right to my email and it gives me your email so that I can respond to you and then I can bring it up on the podcast and help you. This podcast is a free show to just literally answer questions for people and help them change their body. So take advantage of it. Fill out the form, ask me any question, or give me recommendations for guests that you would love to hear on this podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to ask you a quick favor, and that is pretty simple. Take a screenshot of this episode, post on your story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to share it on my story, and I want to help you spread the message, and I want you to help me spread the message so we can do this together, be a part of this movement, and reach more and more people around the world. So thank you guys for listening. I'm excited for you to hear this episode, and without any further ado, let's get onto the podcast. Let's get into it. We got questions. Yep. Let's get it. Um, First one is going to be from... Brittany Pittman, it says, how do you feel about nutrition programs for coaches that put together meal plans based on macros you set, such as Evolution Nutrition? Um, I have no idea what or who Evolution Nutrition is, so I can't really speak on that specifically. Uh, But I think that, one, a a meal plan as a standalone doesn't work because, uh, I'm lying, it does work temporarily. It doesn't work long term because you can't sustain it. Like if I give you a meal plan, right, and I tell you, hey, you're going to eat, you know, uh, I know you hate eggs in the morning, so a, a smoothie with this much berries, this much protein, and a scoop of peanut butter for fats, and then lunch you're going to have chicken with this, 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 dinner you're going to have this. You probably follow it for a bit, and you're probably going to see success. But after a while, you're like, okay, I'm tired of having this smoothie. I'm tired of having chicken for lunch, and you burn out. But there's no education around, well, how much protein are you having in each meal? When are you having your carbs? What kind of carbs are you having? Why are you having those kind of carbs? Um, does it matter how many times you're eating? Can you push push those together and do intermittent fasting? And then, and like, if you strip away all that knowledge and all that education, it's really just a menu, mm-hmm. right? And now I don't know why it's even working. And if I don't know why it's working, I can't adapt it or adjust it to fit my lifestyle, right? But if I give you macros and base your macros or, or, or give you a meal plan based on your macros or help you build one because... Technically, you have to be a dietitian, a registered dietitian to provide a meal plan. Mm. Um, so like for me to say, hey, I want you to literally eat a cup of egg whites with this, this, this in the morning, like specific measurements, amounts. You have to be a registered dietitian to legally do that, even though there's no regulation on that. People give meal plans all the time. Yeah. Um, however, that's why we have uh, a couple of dietitians in the making on the team, uh, and they'll be able to provide that if we need to. But most of the time, you give like sample meal plans. So, and, and which is a funny way to get out of like 
any legal issues. That's just an example. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a meal plan. It's just an example day of eating. We're not giving it strictly to you. Yeah. I'm not prescribing you this. Yeah. But if you want to eat this, it would work. Um, but if I have somebody who's eating, for easy math, 200 protein, 200 carb, 50 fat, I might give them a meal plan and say, hey, like this is how we're going to structure your calories. You're going to have five meals a day to keep things very simple. 20 grams protein, 20 grams, uh, is that right? 20 times five is, no, that's not right. Uh, nope. Sorry, 40, 40 grams per meal um, for protein, 40 grams per meal for carbs, 10 grams of fat per meal, right? Boom, that's your macros per meal. How does this look on paper? Okay, so for the morning, you're going to have um, one cup of egg whites with one whole egg cooked in one teaspoon of coconut oil. Whole egg, teaspoon of coconut oil, that's 10 grams of fat total. Cup of egg whites is probably going to get you close to that uh, that mark. And then you have a little bit from the veggies that I'm going to have you put in. Because for your carbs, you're going to have some spinach, mushrooms, peppers in there. You're going to have a side of like a half cup of oatmeal, right? That's going to hit those macros. Yeah. So that's that's me building out. But the, the way that I find it most productive for clients is kind of guiding them through that process. So saying, here's your macros. Here's an example day of how those macros should be split up because more importantly than what foods you choose per meal, it's important to know how much protein per meal you should be hitting. So I don't give a shit if you have steak for breakfast. Gotcha. As long as you're having 40 grams of protein in each meal, yeah. right? Because that's really what the most important thing of that meal plan is. Um, so, so making sure they understand that and then saying like, hey, do you want my help building a meal plan that you can repeat? Uh, because now they have the tools to be flexible. So maybe Monday through Friday, and this is my situation, Breakfast is the same every day. Lunch is the same every day. Dessert is the same every day. Dinner is the only thing that changes. And really all that changes is like what veggie and what meat are we having? It's always steak, chicken, pork, fish. And it's always green beans, Brussels, broccoli, asparagus, like one green. And then I usually always have rice because I like rice. Yeah. So that's an easy meal plan for me to create. And somebody could help me with that and say like, hey, okay, for breakfast, what's what's easy for you to have? You got to have a protein source. You should probably have something with micronutrient density. Um but for me, I'm a busy individual, so I literally cottage cheese, frozen blueberries, mix it up, take my fish oil. That's my breakfast. Good protein, fish oil for fats, a little bit of fats from the cottage cheese, and then blueberries, which are super nutrient-dense, right? Lunch, you should have a casein and a whey protein together so you can have this good muscle protein synthesis and breakdown ratio, blah, blah, blah. Now we have that one mapped out. Dinner, you do the same thing. So I can help somebody with this so they know, like, okay, these are the sources I should pick. It's up to them to measure and weigh and get them in the right dosage. But they also know that like, you know what, today I feel like having, uh, or I ran out of egg whites. So I'm going to have three whole eggs. So I'm going to take some fats out of my dinner so I can just eat my eggs in the morning and not worry about it. Your daily total is still the same. You have the tools to do that now. For sure. So I think like my thoughts on meal plans based on macros are as long as there's education along with it and before the meal plan even comes to the client, there is a daily intake and ideally a meal by meal macronutrient breakdown. There you go. I think that they can work well because yeah. it gives you the tools to adjust that along the way. Yeah. You know, because you got to think about this too. The last thing I'll say, if I give you that meal plan, I'm like, all right, you're eating uh, one cup of oats in the morning and then you stop losing weight. I'm going to go, now you're eating three fourths of a cup. Yeah. Now you're eating half a cup, right? What am I doing? I'm, I'm lowering carbs and a little bit of fat from those oats, which means I'm lowering calories. Why not just say, hey, we need to make a 5% calorie reduction. Take it out of anything you want. It has to come from carbs. Any meal you want, I don't give a shit. Because what if they really love oats? They yeah. could care less about rice at dinner. They love their oats in the morning. Why am I going to strip that from them? Yeah. You know? Um, adherence. Adherence. Yeah. And it gives them the tools. Yeah. Cool. Um, next question is from 
McKenna Romago Nile. Benefits of doing isometric holds, drop sets, back off sets, changing tempo. What are the benefits? Some have evidence to support while other styles are just quote-unquote fun. Curious what you think the wor- best and worst variations are and how we should implement them into training and programming. That's a hard one because there is so many, I mean, even just what she listed, mm-hmm. you know, so for me to talk about intensification techniques, okay, we have, we have isometric holds. So an isometric hold would be, uh, this is like Bruce Lee's thing he used to always do, like his isometric holds, mm-hmm. like a, like a, they have ones where like you can stand on this thing, there's a rope and a handle and you're doing a curl and you go halfway and you're just trying to curl as hard as you can, but it's not going to move. So it's isometric contraction. You're not going to build a lot of muscle mass with that. Um, there's a lot of research that shows isometric training just doesn't really build hypertrophy. Um, but it does help build strength. And it is neurologically fatiguing and stressing, which is going to create a neurological adaptation. So it might be beneficial to implement in every once in a while for strength. Um, there's also dy- dynamic isometrics. So dynamic isometrics are, and this is something I'll be doing in, in my next block that I'm starting, is you're doing a squat and you stop halfway down, pause. Stop at the very bottom, pause. Stop halfway up, pause. Stop all the way the top. So you're taking, you're, it's dynamic because you're moving, but you're taking these pauses and holding for five seconds. Yeah. Holding for five seconds. Um, so now you're, you're creating isometric strength in a dynamic setting. Um, that can be better for much muscle hypertrophy than regular isometric holds because you're going through full ranges of motion, which is required for hypertrophy, but it's still more of a strength building component or a uh, motor, uh, like a motor learning aspect. So like, the squat is something you have to learn how to do, right? Like everybody can squat, but can you squat well with load? Like that's a skill. So doing dynamic isometrics is, is a good way to build that skill of the squat or deadlift or whatever you want to do. Um, drop sets are basically peeling weight. So if we did 200 pounds on the bench, it's pulling 100 pounds off 50 on each side and cranking out as many reps as we can with just 100 pounds at, right afterwards. Like mm. a drop set is basically a 25 to 50% reduction in weight, Crank out as much reps. The purpose of that is is more about volume. And studies show that it's it's really not that beneficial uh, because the, the it, by doing that, I fatigue myself more and I can't do as many sets. You'd get more out of staying heavy and just doing a couple extra sets instead of burning yourself on, on a drop set. Totally. Um, the only time a study has shown, or it's more of like an experiment because I don't think they had any like literature written on it. The only time it's actually worked, um, and I believe James Krieger was the one that led this and he did it, was if you're on a cr- time crunch. So if you don't have time to do more and more sets or more work, then drop sets are great because you can just do a couple sets. Or you can do two two working sets and one drop set on everything you do today, get done faster and get a good amount of volume in for the short period of time you have. Um, so they can be beneficial. The other thing is they're just fun. It's just fun to just crush a drop set. You yeah. Know? Back off sets are basically just that. It's more structured so you can go like if, if this works well with like I used to do this with T-bar rows and have like just 25 pound plates stacked on it, like six of them. Do a certain amount, pull one off. More, pull one off. So you're just like climbing down and load and just continuing that set. Right? Yeah. Increasing um, in reps though. Yep. Yep. Um, or no, or keeping the reps the same. You're just mm-hmm. not stopping. Right. Mm-hmm. So like once I can't do another rep, they pull weight so I can do oh, a couple they. more. Yeah. Oh. So somebody peels it off oh, okay. and I just keep going. Um, you can do force, uh, force negatives, force or force concentrics. Like you're spotting me, you can lower more weight than you can press, right? So we put 300 pounds in the bar and I'm controlling it down slow as I can. 
And then you and CJ on both sides help me lift it because there's no way I can bench 300 pounds, yeah. right? And then and then that whole process is breaking that muscle tissue, building strength, and neurologically adapting to having that much load in my hand, which built applies to a regular bench press. So there's a whole bunch. Like I think I think the big takeaway is is for hypertrophy specifically, there's not a whole lot of benefit to most of this stuff. Um, most of the intensification techniques are simply fun. The reason I like using them is because inside of the art of coaching you need to do whatever keeps them motivated and challenged, right? So if I put drop sets or intensification techniques, you're challenged and it's fun, it's exciting, it pushes you, it makes your effort higher. Effort's one of the most important things for muscle growth. So it's not just about volume. But if we look at science, you're probably going to get more volume, quality volume in by not doing those things and fatiguing yourself and that's going to lead to more growth gotcha. theoretically speaking yeah but if people are having fun they're pushing it harder they're probably going to grow more yeah. is my opinion now there's a lot of strength ones so uh the holds cluster sets are great so do th- clusters of three would be three reps wait 10 seconds three reps wait 10 seconds three reps wait 10 seconds so you're doing Nine reps total with a load, you probably could do like six or seven with normally. But because you're taking those breaks and restarting for 10 to 20 seconds between each bout of three, you're able to do a little bit more weight for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so those work great. So I think for for pure strength, I think some of these intensification techniques and different things can can work really well. But for hypertrophy, they're just not that, that useful. However, like I said, I do use things like that quite often in my programming because it's fun, it's exciting, it challenges people and people love it. And and when people love your programming, they keep using your programming. And if they keep using your programming, they're going to get better results. For sure. You know? All right, next question is uh, from Cassie. Says, hi, Cody. I'm a nurse working three 13-hour shifts per week, three days in a row. So I have four days off in a row each week. I'm currently training on a a four-day-a-week upper-lower split. Do you think there's any major negatives from training four days in a row than having three days in a row off. I, I tried to find the study uh, before we wrote on this podcast, but I couldn't find it. But they, Greg Knuckles reviewed a, a research paper in Mass um, Research Review that basically took two groups. One group did, uh, I think it was five days in a row, weekends off. And then yeah. one was like, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So like more structured. And typically if you ask myself or any other strength coach that's been around and you were like, Hey, should I just do Monday through Friday and then take the weekend off? Or should I like split it up? So it's like spaced out. We'd all say space it out because if you space it out, like you don't have, and I remember reading somebody that I really respect literally saying, I don't like my clients having two consecutive days, not training for sure. Right. So I don't care if we have a rest day, but like, I want, like, I don't want two rest days in a row. Um, but what the study showed is that it didn't matter. Like at the end of the week, it's kind of like calories. At the end of the week, if you did the work, you're going to reap the reward. The only thing I would say is it, I think it might depend on the programming. So in a typical bodybuilding program, um, hypertrophy program, I don't think it matters at all because uh, it's not super fatiguing early. If you're doing like a conjugate program, you have two days that are max effort where you're lifting one to three reps, like super heavy. It's just taxing and fatiguing. If you do four of those days in a row, dude, it's just like murderous. So like usually what I do with those is like max effort, full rest day, max effort, full rest day, dynamic day, dynamic day, Mm. right? And uh, and that spaces them out. Or you can go max effort, dynamic, dynamic, max effort, and then you have a few days off. So she could do it that way. If you're doing like a max effort, dynamic effort, effort, dynamic effort, conjugate method, yeah, whoa, um, if you're doing it like that, you could go max 
dynamic, dynamic, max effort. Because you have one max effort upper and one dynamic upper, one lower, one lower. Um, that would work. If you're doing a typical upper lower split, just bodybuilding. She said she's doing upper lower, right? Yep. Yeah, if you're doing a typical upper lower, upper lower bodybuilding split, something like uh, if you're in the Taylor Trainer, the big four, very basic structured strength in hypertrophy program. Probably one of the, the more simple ones, but probably one of my favorite ones in there. Um, that would be totally fine because you're just upper, lower, upper, lower. None of them are like extremely max effort, but none of them are like really toned down. So you'd be able to recover fine. And as long as you have good nutrition on those days. Um, but the, the short answer is no, I don't think you'd have any problem. I think you'd probably benefit from it because then you don't have like recovery issues because of work, like sure. training you. And, and studies obviously have shown that it, it really doesn't matter as long as your weekly work is done. Yeah. Next question is from Landis LaPace. It says, is it possible to permanently increase your metabolic rate maintenance calories by doing phases of massing to put on lean body mass, then cut back down and relating this? Well, let's answer that before we move into the next one. Okay. Um, so basically the question is, can we permanently increase our metabolic rate? Yeah. Right. Um, yes, you can. Uh, number one, you asked, if you build muscle tissue, can you... Can you increase your metabolic rate? Yes, yeah. because when you have more energy demanding tissue on your body, your metabolic rate will increase. In fact, if you go gain 30 pounds of fat, technically your metabolic rate will increase. Now, muscle tissue is more uh, demanding of calories and energy than fat tissue is. So if you gain 20 pounds of muscle versus 20 pounds of fat, that 20 pounds of muscle is going to lead to a way higher metabolic rate than 20 pounds of fat. But the point being is the more mass you have on your body, period, the more calories you need to support that mass right mm -hmm. so so yes you can uh by doing that uh you can also increase metabolic rate with uh and we talked about this on the last q a with the g flux theory so it's like eat more oh. and increase activity so yeah. you're doing more activity which is going to lead to more energy output you're eating more which is going to fuel that maintenance calorie anyway because you're eating more food um, and there is a, a an adaptive metabolic response to just increasing your calories and then most likely you're going to build muscle in that process too, which is going to add to that as well. Um, so you, you definitely can. Uh, I think you can – it's hard to say if you can – like there's a lot of people that will say you can't permanently decrease it because, you know, like metabolic damage was this thing and people are like, no, it's not damaged because you can reverse it. But I, I don't know. Like for me, it's like, man, there's a lot of people who get to a point where their metabolism just doesn't ever go back to where it was, mm -hmm. right, because – because of how they went about dieting. Uh, and I don't want to say how they damaged it, but how poorly they dieted and how poorly they took care of their body during that diet, you know? So, um, and that's not to like fear monger. It's just to say like, you should be cautious, cautious about how you're dieting because you probably can have some more permanent effects to your, your metabolism or thyroid based on how, how you diet. Totally. What was the second part of the question? Uh, it says, um, how long should I wait before I start Oh, no, 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 no. It says, also in your coaching experience, do you think months of chronic dieting can really lower your maintenance calories a significant amount? Kind of like what I was getting into. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think uh, in general, we just have to remember, like if you if you follow a diet for three months, mm -hmm. you're in a deficit for three months, meaning your calories are lower, you've lost weight, um, and most likely when you're taking in less, you're probably moving less because that's just our body's natural response unless you're really, that's why I like, I don't give a shit how many steps I take until I'm cutting because now I'm like okay 9,000 is the average we're shooting for right now during this cut and it's not to increase my activity it's to just try to maintain because as I eat less food my body will slowly down regulate my movement to just preserve energy but if I can keep my steps up then I'll burn more calories mm -hmm. um, 
the deficit will work for me better, basically. Um, so I think that, you know, like if you do that for three months and you're moving less because of knee drops and you're eating less because you're in a diet and you lost total weight, of course, your metabolism is going to slow down. Your maintenance calories is going to slow down. It's not really a negative thing. It's just just an adaptive process. It's normal. Yeah. So, and the longer you could do that, the the more severe it is. Yeah. So the next question comes from Leandre Jost or Juiced. Uh, how do you get back into an exercise program after being sick? I'm fairly new to lifting. Eight months have the flu at the moment and have been off from training for a week. How long should I wait before my I start my program again? What advice do you have for starting after illness? I think this guy said hi from South Africa too. So oh. shout out to South Africa. Um, it's always cool hearing from people like in just random places yeah. around the world. Uh, so I, I've always said, like, I think it depends. Like if you had the flu, just wait till you're hundred percent better. I mean, like your fever's gone, your temperature's gone, your throat's cleared up. But what I used to say is if, if it's at the, uh, from the neck above, you can train still. You just got to deload a little bit. Um, if it's from the, the neck down, then you should completely rest. Mm. And the reason for that is because if it's from the neck up, I probably just have like a sinus infection. I'm stuffy nose. I have a common cold, maybe a little bit of sore throat. None of that's really that big of a fucking deal. So you, you're fine. But if it's chest down, you have digestive issues. You have like phlegm in your chest. Your lungs are, it's hard to breathe. Like you, maybe you have the flu. You should just fucking rest. Yeah. Just stay home. So um, if, if it's no longer neck down, I think you're safe to train. You just got to deload your training until you, you're 100%. And I think just be intuitive about it. Like assess yourself. How are you sleeping? How are you feeling? Does your throat hurt? Do you have an appetite? If you feel normal, go train. Yeah. You know, like I was, uh, I had that, that cold ran through me. And like when I got back to training was when like I didn't feel lethargic and like shit. Like I, I still was blowing my nose for the next week because I was just trying to, you know, get rid of all the snot. Yeah. But I was still training because I wasn't sick anymore. I was just getting rid of it. So don't delay too much. But if it's, if it's neck down, take a break. For sure. Yeah. Until you're completely healed. Yeah. Have you ever heard the saying, you don't need supplements, it's just nutrition, you can find it in food, blah, blah, blah. I would agree. In fact, the sponsor of this podcast, Legion, would agree too. When you go to their homepage, the first thing you see is a video of the owner, Mike Matthews, who I personally know, saying that you don't need supplements. And if that's not a transparent supplement company, I don't know what is. But the cool thing about Legion is they supplement your diet. So define that. What does supplement mean? It means you're adding to it. You're making it better. And that's exactly what supplements do. I use Legion for everything I take from my fish oil to my multi to my greens powder to my whey protein. And I recommend it to all my clients. In fact, I've been recommending Legion products for years now. So to have them as a podcast sponsor is pretty damn cool. If you want to save 20% on your first order, you can enter the co- promo code BOOMBOOM or just head over to buylegion.com slash BOOMBOOM, both which will be in the description of this podcast. Without any further ado, let's jump back into the episode. All right, cool. The next question comes from Carmen Spitzer. Is being quote-unquote very lean as a female okay if you are feeling good? I think it... I'm somewhere between 10 and 15% body fat. Just wondering about uh, feeling this way for quote unquote a very long time. Yeah, that's, that's pretty damn lean for a female. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's one of those things where like, you know, 
if I didn't, if I can't see you, then I usually give the the general advice of like, hey, if you feel good, that's fine. Some people are just genetically leaner than others, and yeah. if you can maintain that leanness and you feel good, great. Other times I'm like, you say you feel fine, but you know your your period is spotty if you get it, and you have no sex drive, and like you know like the list goes on. So like, do you really feel good, or are you just like you feel good enough? to get by and to train hard, you know? So if I'm coaching somebody, I'll investigate a little bit further because there's a lot of biofeedback points that people don't talk about commonly that could be fucked up. And if they are, then you're not in a good place because specifically for women, hormones are going to be produced predominantly from fat, right? The fat we take into our diet, which means we have to have enough total fat and enough total calories in order to support hormonal function, but also the fat stored on our body. For sure. That's why women's body fat is higher because they naturally store more body fat because hormonal health is more important for women than men. Mm -hmm. Men can get by without being super healthy from a hormonal standpoint. We just grunt it through. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's, and it's probably because we don't have to reproduce like, Literally, we don't have to worry about having birthing a child. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very severe hormonal process that needs to happen. It's the most important process in on the planet and yeah. Earth and in life. So you got to be healthy for that. Planet is here. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so uh, the point with that is, like, if if you're not if you're eating enough food to feel fine, but you're so lean that your hormones just aren't on point, then I think you actually need to gain a little bit of body fat. Um, now, if if you're eating enough to get by, you feel fine, and you do blood work, which is really the best thing to do. If you do blood work and your blood work's like, hey, it checked out. Like, cortisol levels are fine. Thyroid's fine. Like, I don't have any issues with cholesterol, blood glucose, anything. Great. Keep doing what you're doing. Why not maintain leanness? It's great. Like, you love it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who just aren't real with themselves. You know, I think there's a lot of people that it's like that thing, like when somebody first gets into like training or nutrition and when you start and you're like, oh, like, how do you feel? Like, do you have any pain? Do you have any, like, do you feel, nah, I feel good. You're pretty good. I'm, I'm cool. Like whatever. Like I don't have any you know issues. Yeah. And then they start training four days a week. They lose 20 pounds and start eating healthy. They're like, I have so much more energy than I did before. I'm sleeping better. I didn't even know I was sleeping shitty, but I'm sleeping way better now. I can think faster. And they like start listing off all this stuff. It's because they weren't aware of the pit they were in before. Yeah. So sometimes you have to create the change in order to notice like, damn, I wasn't in a good place. Um, so Carmen, I would probably hire a coach. Honestly, I would probably get blood work and I would probably hire a coach that's going to be able to help you with this stuff. And I predominantly say that to her is because she's asked so many questions over the years for our podcast um, uh, that are very, very, very detailed. Yeah. Like she's asked so many. She's uh, I was DMing her yesterday. So yeah. she's asked questions all the time. And you ask very, very specific questions to you. And what that tells me is that if somebody has very detailed questions repeatedly over time, they need specific help. They need yeah. guidance. Like we all do. Like yeah. I have a coach that takes care of my nutrition and stuff. Like, but a question and an answer can only give you so much. Definitely. You know, In so writing. like, yeah. So I would hire a coach. That's, yeah. I mean, not to be a sales pitch for our coaching, but I, I would, I would definitely consider coaching with one of us. And, uh, specifically like, like, and this is why, like when we get clients like this, I specifically send them to a female coach who is educated in this topic and has been through this topic. So somebody who has gone through hormonal issues, who has been too lean, who has studied this topic so she can speak from experience and from science, you know, um, and we have those on our team. 
multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would recommend that. And if you don't do that, at least go get blood work and just see, cause that's, that's the ultimate test to like, no, like you can't like the writings on the wall, you know, you can't like, that's permanent. Like that tells you like the numbers don't lie. And if, if your numbers are bad on the blood work, then you know, something's not in the right place. Definitely. All right. So, uh, next question comes from Mac performance. Tips or strategies on managing depression and anxiety? So this one came from the question box I put for John's podcast. Mm. I was going to ask for people to send questions in for the podcast I did with him, but I fucking forgot to put the thing out. So I put it out last night, and <laughs> now people are filling it out. And I'm like, oh, I already recorded it this morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I figured there's a couple on there that I, that I could tackle. Um, number one, I think having a lot deeper than yeah fitness nutrition oh yeah Q&A, that's but. for sure um i i talked about this on one of my recent posts briefly and there was like three things i kind of pointed out and, and if you haven't read that go read that post um i'm wearing like a white shirt and, and i'm sitting on the rocks i think <laughs> by the time this airs it's going to be like down so you're gonna have to yeah. scroll a little bit but the first line says uh three tips um to get out of the quicksand and then it says depression yeah. and anxiety so that quicksand feeling is kind of like you don't know why this is happening, but you can't stop it. Like yeah. you're just sinking, you know, um, and you want to walk, you know how to walk, but you just you can't do it. So what I talked about in there is number one, creativity. So um, this has been a big one for me lately. And uh, we talked about this on the podcast with John a little bit, but creativity leads to inspiration. Inspiration leads to fulfillment, right? So if you can create and produce, and we talked about this on the mastermind podcast too, when you can create and be creative and use your creative gene or brain or whatever, something happens. Like you just feel good. You feel fulfilled because you are creating something. You're producing. Um, Have you ever heard the the word prolific? Yeah. So like being prolific means that you are producing. For sure. You are a a production. Um, And if you can be prolific, then you'll constantly be creating things that are probably going to serve other people yeah. or serve yourself. Um, I'm going to get prolific tatted on my sleeve. Dude, I, I, oh, I didn't tell you about this. I have an appointment on Sunday to start. Oh. He hit me up yesterday and was like, yo, I had a cancellation. You want to get in for a couple of days? Fuck yeah. He's like, can you come Saturday, Sunday? I was like, no. Sunday, Monday? Yep. So I'm going to go and start this bad boy. Oh. Um, but, uh, but I think that creativity is is huge. I think like... That's been, and it's just, it's, this, these kind of topics are kind of hard for me to talk on because I'm not a therapist. I'm not like a, like a life coach. So it's hard because I I can't say like, all right, here's my five-step system, you know, like fill out this worksheet and read this book. But like the things that have helped me, one of the biggest things is like playing guitar every day. Like that has literally helped me be so much more positive and fulfilled. It's fucking insane. Mm. Um, to the point where I have a guitar at home now too. And I, and I played there cause so originally I bought the acoustic because I thought my guitar was in storage. Yeah. And the other day I was like going through the hall closet and I was like, Shannon, the guitar's in here. She's like, I told you that. It's like, fuck, I should listen more, yeah. <laughs> but I pulled that out. So it's an uh, electric guitar. Yeah. It's an electric guitar. Yeah. Um, which is actually easier to play. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but like that's giving me fulfillment cause I can just put everything away and I can just be creative and I can learn a new fucking skill. It's just cool. Right. Um, and it's exciting to think like, man, in six months, I'm, I'm going to be able to just fucking rip. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, all right. I have a goal to play a song at the end of 90 days. So if I keep doing what I'm doing, I should be able to like rip jam. All yeah. right. I'd say jam, not rip. All right. Rip is like, you're shredding on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say That's jam. Awesome. Um, but, uh, 
but like those creative outlets are huge. Um, that could be a fictional book. It could be a hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't do this much, but I would like to do it more like shooting guns. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just like a man thing, but like having targets set up and, sh and shooting guns and learning about guns, it's fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I have friends that shoot bows. Theo does. Uh, Cody Smith says like, that's super fun for them. So like really anything you could think of that's just like, like for you, it would be like golfing. Like obviously yeah. shitty weather, yeah. so you can't do all the time. Yeah. But if you could golf once a week, it would just make you a better person because it's oh, so, yeah. it's an probably like what, four hours for a golf yeah. session. Yep. What do you call that golf game? Golf session? Round. Round. Um, and, uh, but that, that creative outlet of doing something as a hobby or a skill, I think is super helpful for this. Um, it gives you a purpose beyond your business too. Cause I know he owns a business, so it gives you pur pur purpose. Who's he? Uh, Mac. Oh, uh, it, it gives you purpose and passion and fulfillment outside of, of what you produce in your company or okay. your business. Because at a certain point, if you're producing for other people, you identify with that almost too much. Yeah. Right. And you have to be able to have an identity outside of your business, outside of your family, outside of everything, just as you as a person. Um, so that's a big help. Uh, I would, uh, highly encourage having somebody to talk to like therapist, mentor, coach, uh, support group, anything. Like I think a lot of people are embarrassed about stress, anxiety, depression, oh, yeah. that they don't talk to anybody about yeah. it. Um, and I can relate to that because on like the anxiety side of thing is it's always been easy for me to share because I have all the reasons in the world to get anxiety. Like for I have sure. a lot of shit going on. So yeah. it's, it's easy for people to understand. I don't feel like weird, but the depression thing is, is weird. And I'm not somebody who has experienced a ton of depression over the years, but it almost comes hand in hand with an anxiety. It does. Absolutely. You know, and I always say like anxiety is, is like of what's to come. Yeah. Depression is what's already done. Right. Or where you're already at. Yeah. Right. So you're kind of like sitting in the past, but that one was always hard for me to share because it's like, man, like, I have a good life. Yeah. You know, like what am I complaining about? And then I, it actually makes it worse because you get down on yourself. Like you're calling yourself bad things because you're like, why are you bitching? You know? Yeah. Um, so it took me a while, like, uh, but talking to somebody like yeah. it was Shannon was the first person I talked to. Um, she encouraged me to see a therapist, saw a therapist, uh, talked to John about it. Yeah. Um, and that helped me a ton just because it's, it's somebody listening that can honestly just be like, I get it. Yeah. And as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm not like a weirdo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, this makes sense. Yeah. And that feels better alone. And then and then it's like, here's how I got over it. Yeah. Right? And then you start, which which is why I actually think like some mentorships are more powerful than therapists because a lot of times therapists are there to so understand. Sure connection and, too. Yeah. And yeah. The, the therapist is there to understand and, and hear you out and ask you questions. But a lot of times like you leave and you're like, that felt good getting it out, but you didn't give me any solutions to fix it. And I have a problem I want to fix. Yeah. You know, but having a mentor or a life coach or a guide like that, it's like, they're going to hear you out. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to dig deeper and they're going to tell you what they did and yeah. what they think will work Connect for you. Connect with you. Connect with you. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing is that, man, like finding, finding a coach or a mentor or a therapist or something. And then there was one more that I had. Um, one was the creativity. Oh, uh, I said, be here now, which I partly did that as a pun because that's a Oasis song and I'm trying to learn an Oasis song on guitar. Uh, but uh, be here now is basically to say, like, be, be present. present. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that goes back to, like, anxiety is fear of the future. Depression is sadness over what is or what has. Mm -hmm. Presence and fulfillment, actually, I should say this. Fulfillment is being present. 
right? You are you are happy and satisfied with what is. You know what I mean? So like, and that's uh, that's another thing with the creativity. The guitar helps me be present because I can't think about work when I'm trying to figure out how the fuck to get these strings to sound good. You know, like I got to pay attention to the lesson, to the chords, to how I'm strumming. It takes my mind away from everything. Um, so the creativity helps us, but I think in general it's just being present, man. Like the more the the times that I've been the the most anxious or depressed is is when I'm not being present. Mm. It's it's worrying about all the things that could happen and what might happen. What yeah. might happen. Yeah. And a lot of them are like some of them are far fetched. Your brain yeah. will start like telling you stories that are just like come for on, sure. Really like um or like you uh a lot of times people project judgment on other people. So I am insecure about something, so I judge myself but you look at me and I put that judgment on you and now I think you're thinking that about me. Yeah. So like people go to the gym and they're like, God, these people are fucking staring at me. I'm looking stupid. And the next person is going, oh, fuck, that person's looking at me. I'm looking stupid. <laughs> the next person's doing the same thing. So yeah. nobody's judging each other. They're all judging themselves, worrying about other people judging themselves. And that happens a lot of times too. So the answer to that is, is self-acceptance and stop judging yourself because if you can stop judging yourself, you'll stop projecting that judgment onto other people, which paints a story in your head, a narrative that other people are judging you on X, Y, Z which is very rarely the case. Yeah. Um, unless they're insecure. Unless they're insecure, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes that does happen. Yeah. But usually those people are, uh, they're loud with their judgment. Yeah. They'll tell you because they want focus away from their insecurity. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope that helps, dude. I think I think uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily a life coach or I'm definitely not a therapist, but those are the three things that I've found this year specifically. Yeah. Um, I think the creativity and like the tribalism, like finding a tribe is the most important right now with, with COVID because we can do a little bit more now, but for a while it was just like, yeah. isolate yourself. Don't talk to anybody. Don't see anybody fearful. Like is that if person you don't gonna... have anybody else then. Oh dude, it's, I feel so, I have some clients that live alone. And when that happened, I was like, fuck, I feel so bad for you. Yeah. Because I can't, I would go crazy. Yeah. I would fucking go crazy. I was watching this show, um, Boardwalk Empire, and it's about like the Prohibition era, Nucky Thompson, Al Capone, like a bunch of mafia oh, okay. guys and stuff. Okay, it's a good show. It's on HBO, and uh, uh, I was I, this is exactly what I thought of when I saw this last night. This dude got like beaten and stuff, so he was in bed recovering, but he's in his room recovering. There's no TV. He can't read because his hands are broken and shit. He just laying there, just healing. Yeah, I was like, man. I would go fucking crazy just laying there for days trying yeah. to heal. I can't watch Netflix. <laughs> what? Uh, I can't listen to an audiobook? Like nothing. If you're by yourself. If you're by yourself. Damn, it's that's crazy. But. All right. Yeah. That was a good question, Mac. Um, so the next one comes from Stacy. Do you ever monitor your blood sugar to check for insulin sensitivity? No. Um, I have in the past. Um, have you ever seen a, a glucometer? Yeah. It's like break, break your finger. Break your finger, yeah. yeah. So you can check your blood glucose levels. Uh, like what I did was I did it first thing in the morning because I wanted to see my fasted blood glucose, glucose. levels. Yeah. So like when I wake up, what is my blood glucose levels? Because that tells me my insulin sensitivity. My insulin insulin sensitivity is high. That's a good thing. I'm, I'm pretty lean. I'm healthy. I'm muscular, whatever. Um, but I, I find that it's just not that important like the more and more we learn about insulin sensitivity the more and more you realize like it just doesn't matter so like if you're leaner you have a higher percentage of insulin sensitivity so you could technically build more muscle but 
there's also a lot of that shows when you have more body fat in your body, you're more supported to lift heavy and eat more and fuel training and hypertrophy and you're going to build more muscle. Mm. So sometimes like bulking and adding a little bit of fat is actually more productive than trying to stay super lean during a, a gaining phase. Totally. Um, but unless you have like the only time I ever pay attention to this is with diabetic clients. If you don't have diabetes, then I don't think there's too much application for this because you can geek out on insulin sensitivity levels, but it's it's complete bro science. Like there hasn't been any really good research showing that insulin sensitivity matters for staying lean or or hypertrophy or anything like that. Even some markers of health, like yeah. it's not as important for health as we thought. Um, and there's also not a lot of research that shows um, insulin is a bad thing. Like a lot of people were like, oh, you don't want to spike your insulin too much, right? Like so we will fast or we'll eat low carb. You go keto because it keeps your insulin levels low. And high insulin levels are associated with uh, obesity. It, it's a correlation, not a causation. So high insulin levels don't create obesity. It's just correlated, right? Totally. Um, a good example of this it sounds so weird, but um, a higher percentage of, uh, there was like this thing that this guy used as an example. And I'm going to probably butcher it, so this might sound stupid, but he basically said there's a higher percentage of kids uh, who die uh, while eating ice cream or from eating ice cream or something like that. Like really weird. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's like, well, it's because where is ice cream mostly served? On the beach. Where do kids drown? Oh, yeah. Kids who eat ice cream are more likely to drown than kids who don't eat ice cream. And it's like because they sell ice cream on the beach and then the kids drown, blah, blah, blah. Whoa. So it's like, but <laughs> does that mean ice cream makes kids drown? No. No. It's a it's a correlation. Yes. Right? Um, and people, gurus and, and people in the industry that aren't backed by research, they take those correlations and try to pitch them as causations to yeah. sell their products. So. Skew them. Yeah. And if, if, if you really think about it, insulin's an anabolic hormone. So. Insulin is going to facilitate energy in, in muscle growth, really. So, like, I want to spike insulin almost every meal yeah. <laughs> because it's anabolic. It's going to help growth hormone, muscle protein synthesis. It's going to blunt cortisol, so I'm going to be less stressed. I'm going to build more muscle. And if insulin being high isn't going to cause me to gain fat, why wouldn't I want a little bit of carbs in every meal? It's going to support muscle growth, right? Yeah. There's times for adherence purposes where I do place them later in the day and versus in the morning just to save more carbs for night so they have more flexibility. Um, and there's very few times where people just don't respond well to carbs. They're just like, oh, I just feel lethargic. So I'm like, all right, let's keep them out of the morning so you're not lethargic at work. But for the most part, like, if you feel good on carbs, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So insulin sensitivity is kind of just a myth. Dope. All right, I think this may be the last question. Yep. Last question comes from Howl Fit. As a fitness coach, what should my content be based on? Education, stories, or reliability? This was uh, another one for John's that we didn't really get to answer. Um, and I think it's relatability, isn't it? Or is it reliability? I think I might have spelled that wrong. I copied it from Instagram. Maybe relatability. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what content on reliability would be. Yeah. So that's, what, that's what my thought. I think uh, you can't really decide which one of those your content should be about. It has to be about everything, right? Yeah. Like your content has to relate. So the art of storytelling is painting a picture that they could relate to. And then delivering education that teaches them something in a format that is appealing for the reader to read and then leaving them with an opportunity or a call to action or something, right? So the way I always spin it is like relate, educate, opportunity shift. If you do that, you start your content by being empathetic, telling them you understand, giving them an example, painting a picture or, uh, of the scenery or of the person you're helping or yourself or the experience you've had. Then you educate them on exactly how to fix blank problem or why that happened or why that happened and then you finish with an opportunity shift what's the solution that they haven't thought of yet that you can give them to move forward yeah um 
as far as what your content should be about, it, it should encompass those things and it should be about whatever your specific client wants to, to learn. Like, I think, you know, there's, there's, I always find Instagram funny because there's people, and this isn't like a, a cocky statement, but there's people who get far more engagement and likes, yet we have way more clients and we help more people. We have a bigger business. Why is that? Well, it's because our content isn't written for people like it. Mm. Our content is written to impact people, yeah. right? When we create content, I'm not worried about how many other fitness influencers and how many other coaches like it. I'm worried about how many average Joes read it. It helps them. And then they reach out for coaching so I can actually help them on a deep level. Absolutely. You know, so I think when you're doing your content, you have to think of like, okay, like who am I writing this for? So there, this is a problem in the industry. There's a ton of trainers and nutrition coaches stuff that write content wondering what other coaches are going to think. So it's almost like a pissing contest of like, look how much I know. I want you to see this, you know, and they're afraid to talk about simple things because people will think they're dumb if they're talking about this like simple things. But the people you're helping aren't nutrition coaches. So they don't know better. Yeah. You know, so I think like you have to understand who you're talking to. Find your voice and, and see who you're talking to. What type of client? If it's really, really niche, you could even go as far as like I'm speaking predominantly to women who want to lose fat and who train in CrossFit. Now you have a very specific audience. You know exactly what to talk about, how to talk to them, and when to talk to them about it. There you it. go. Um, if you're more broad like us, it's it's like we generally help people between the age of 30 to 50 lose fat. Yeah. Like that's the general – because we have, we have some younger than 30, obviously, we have in their 20s. We have some older than 50. Uh, we have clients that are just for health, muscle growth, CrossFit, perform, like just everything, right? But in general, it's kind of this age range, and it's, and it's, it's usually weight loss, right? Um so that directs how our content comes out, you know? Uh, but I think that's, that's the key is like find out who you're talking to and then relate, educate, opportunity shift. Totally. All right, guys. That was the last question. Great questions today. Um, anything else you want to say? Nope. All right. Not today. Thank you. Talk to you later. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.